Hello, and welcome back to the Physician's Financial Checkup. I'm your host, Brent Bowden, Certified Financial Planner and Wealth Manager, and today we are going to be taking a profound journey into the world of family governance. So an essential topic, we kind of touched a little bit on it last week, but I want to go in a little deeper, give you some examples of exactly what we're looking at. And this is an essential topic for high net worth and ultra high net worth clients. So we're going to explore today, not just the what, but also the why and the how of family meetings and how to set a course for the legacy that transcends generations. Welcome to the Physician's Financial Checkup Podcast, where we discuss the financial challenges and opportunities facing medical professionals. In this podcast, we'll discuss a variety of financial topics that are important to physicians, such as retirement planning, investing, and estate planning. We'll also interview experts in the financial services industry to get their insights on these topics. If you're a physician or a spouse of a physician, I encourage you to listen to this podcast. We will provide you with the information you need to make sense financial decisions and achieve your financial goals. Here's your host, Brent Bowden, a financial coach and certified financial planning advisor with over 15 years of experience helping medical professionals achieve their financial goals. To learn more about Brent Bowden and his services, visit brentbowden.com. I'm going to use an example of a client family that I've worked with for a number of years, and I'll refer back to them uh, as the Smith family. So we'll talk about successful surgeon, Dr. Emily Smith, uh, and her husband, Dr. Michael Smith, a cardiologist that I've worked with for a, a number of years. Uh, their names have been changed to keep the identity of my clients uh, protected, but I think the discussion that follows and, and how they've been able to create uh, a family governance uh, discussion and and uh, system over uh, a number of years that we've worked together really will kind of help display exactly what happens when this is working really well. So let's start into the beginning discussion uh, of our our family governance and, and how we get started. To set the foundation is where I, I always like to start. Family governance, uh, by definition, is the groundwork for managing the complexities of your wealth together as a family. So by initiating this kind of early process and helping to define your family's goals, values, and expectations can be a really crucial alignment to get everybody on a common purpose and ensuring that the decisions are really rooted in those shared principles as a family. And so we want to really start by holding some open discussions, even before you get going into creating family governance, uh, really encouraging each family to, to be expressive, show their personal values, their financial values, what are their aspirations, what do they want to achieve, and then really being able to foster the understanding and unity. Now, if it's just a, a parent couple like the Smiths, you know, starting that discussion early can be the easiest way to do that. And obviously, they're values are going to get instilled in their children and, and multiple generations. And so how do we do that effectively? And so one of the things that we set the foundation kind of early in the careers uh, for the Smiths was, what are your personal values? Just the two of you, as you've come together, what are those financial goals, those financial values? Uh, and what are your expectations? What do you, as you're starting a family, you know, what do you really want to see that happen? 
And a couple of things that they really honed in on uh, that they wanted to make sure that they focused on was the importance of education. So obviously, both of them were well-educated. They got into a, a great situation personally. They felt like education was going to be able to help them both in the short and long term. And so they wanted to make sure their kids had a, a good foundation in that. Also, philanthropy. They were blessed uh, with both really good paying jobs, uh, a good network within themselves, and they, they wanted to be able to give back uh, to the community. And then they also really wanted to create and maintain their current close-knit family. Both of them came from, from really close-knit families. And so how do they continue that with the wealth that they were trying to build into their next generation and beyond? And so these foundational goals of education, philanthropy, and family really became the three guiding principles for a lot of their wealth management discussions. And those decisions coming back to education, philanthropy, and family for the Smiths was exactly why we kind of started these family meetings. So the annual family meeting that we've kind of talked about before is something that I think is the heartbeat of family governance. And that really creates the, the what, the why, and the how. And these gatherings can go beyond financial updates. Uh, they really are a form for educating the rest of the family on financial goals, financial values, uh, helping to understand how decisions are made, and then the connections between uh, each of those within the family. And, and that is what really makes them so vital to have an ongoing and open discussion. They provide that structured space where you can address financial concerns. Uh, maybe there's goals that need to be reassessed. Um, there's financial wisdom that you might be able to impart on that next generation just by having some of these open discussions. And so when we put this into practice, um, we really like to try to plan an agenda in advance, uh, make sure that it covers, obviously, the financial updates, but maybe some educational sessions that the family has decided needs to, to be t discussed and talked about, and then some open time for discussions, maybe some uh, team building, kind of family building type exercises. And the really the key between each of these annual meetings is just keeping it consistent. Make them really a, a, an annual tradition that is non-negotiable. Everybody's got to be there. Whatever else is planned, you know, if you, especially if you set it in advance, this is the family meeting and we're all going to be there. So when we discussed this with the Smiths, the family meetings that they have uh, really ended up becoming something they, they enjoy doing. Uh, it's not work. It's something that you get a time to reflect and discuss everything with the family. And so, you know, they've obviously reviewed pieces of their family's financial status. Not doesn't mean you have to open up to everything, but I think how you got there what are the resources that you might have available have been helpful. And then discussing how those those monies are invested. What's the strategy? Um, you know, how are you going to be able to pass those down multiple generations? And what's the structure of that even? And within that, we're able to share some lessons of financial literacy with the kids. Obviously, when they were young, we started super easy and simple, but we've been able to build over those as, as they've grown. And not only have we looked at those financial updates, but it's also been a good time for the family just to collectively decide on, hey, are there any philanthropic initiatives that we, we really want to focus on in the next year? Uh, doesn't mean that certain things happen and we can't reassess them, but those are some great things to look out, both short-term and long-term. Um, and it also can help reinforce the, the family's commitment to giving back to the community uh, using that wealth the most efficient way that they can. So you know, I really think that the annual meetings have become something that 
uh, every family should kind of initiate, however large or small. Uh, it is a great time to to get together, reflect on the past year, and kind of start to plan for those future years. Now, obviously, one of the questions I get a lot is who should be involved in that process and, and what roles do they play? And not every family member always has to be involved in all the discussion. So what I mean there is sometimes uh, marriages into the family, it may not be the right time for them. Uh, certainly girlfriends, boyfriends, uh, significant others, maybe that you don't allow them in until they've married into the family. Um, and so obviously there's some different times where that may not be the the case that you want them involved. But it is important to determine what roles, including the extended family members, might be able to have because it allows you to kind of foster a sense of inclusivity uh, and maybe even some shared responsibility for the, the goals that the family has and has created. Um, and obviously, you know, there's going to be the, the main goals, like there's a family leader, there's a family facilitator, maybe that could be internal of the family, could be external people that help streamline that process. And then by designating those roles, uh, hopefully geared toward their strengths or interests, um, you can really ensure that each family member feels like they have a valued part in the family discussion and the family governance. And by doing this, uh, you're going to really enrich the total process and strengthen the family bonds that you have between everybody. And so we use this in the Smith's case um, by recognizing that their strength was really in the unity as a, a family. And so they did expand some of their uh, governance discussion to include grandparents, aunts, uncles, even some cousins uh, that they felt like could add value to the family and the family vision as a whole. And so each one of those family members had some sort of dis defined role. Um, you know, Emily was the leader of that family. Uh, Michael was a great communicator, so he was kind of the facilitator who wanted to make sure that everybody had their voice heard within those discussions. And this allowed some some really good shared responsibility with everybody. It also had some really good insights and, and expectations and, that were created out of hearing everybody's point of view and their angle. And so really being able to understand what are the roles, who should be involved, and at what you know value and or cost. Uh, is a big part of being able to include that. Now, the Smiths early on, it's just the two of them. And as their, their family grew uh, and more people were kind of involved in their day-to-day -day lives, they started kind of bringing in people with different perspectives to understand what that was, was like um, and be able to expand that close-knit family thing that was obviously one of their top three values we discussed earlier. The next step is is managing the process. And so obviously there is some work uh, that goes into being able to put on these family meetings. And so really understanding what really goes in to create a family meeting does require some different finesse. Um, you're going to navigate some potential conflicts that are going to arise. That's normal. Um, families have them. It's just how do you work through those in an effective manner? Uh, some of those larger meetings, I do recommend outsourcing some facilitation. It can help kind of provide an unbiased perspective, uh, but it also allows for potentially some deeper understanding because you don't have one person that's kind of dictating what that family dynamic looks like. Every the, A facilitator typically is, does a really good job of making sure everybody's voice is heard. And so if you don't have that uh, perspective within the family, 
sometimes bringing in somebody to help facilitate that can be can be helpful. The other thing is before the meetings even occur, we always like to make sure there's ground rules. So how are you going to conduct yourself to be able to have constructive communication? How are you going to resolve potential conflicts? And really identifying what those steps are ahead of time puts everybody on the same page and at ease that while there may be issues that arise, we're all trying to get to these same values and goals. And so reevaluating sometimes the effectiveness of that process and how those uh, conflicts are resolved amicably can really help to be transparent, to be open, be heard, make everybody feel part of that discussion. And so obviously over time, adjustments are going to be needed to make. The larger you get, uh, some of those uh, feedback information may be something you want to do ahead of time, whether that's in the form of a survey or uh, you know just information requested from people so that you can combine that, have it readily available, put comments up that you know you don't have to identify necessarily who said them all the time. So depending on exactly how your family dynamics work, um, that open and transparent communication and how to resolve problems really makes a big difference in the, the process of being able to have these annual meetings. Thanks for listening to the Physicians Financial Checkup podcast with me, your host, Brent Bowden, certified financial planner for over 15 years, helping physicians on their financial journey to financial freedom. If you like the actionable strategies and tips that we've shared here on the podcast, subscribe now. And for even more guidance, you can pick up the Physicians Financial Checkup book, available now in print, ebook, and audiobook. Look forward to helping you on your journey to financial freedom. Now, in the Smith's case, they obviously knew that conflicts may arise. It becomes more apparent, I think, as you grow in family size, uh, especially when you're dealing with money. You know, financial matters have a tendency to bring out the worst in people sometimes. And so being able to kind of have the guidelines uh, during those family meetings that can allow you to address, ask questions uh, about differing opinions, you know, especially investment options, maybe one of those sticky points where people have a question on. And then occasionally you'll want to bring in some experts, whether that's a financial advisor or a state attorney or a tax planner um, that really has a good demeanor in being able to manage conflict, ensure decisions are being made within that family's best interest in mind. Uh, and, and those report back kind of that family financial value. So like in the Smith's case, are some of these decisions that we're making about our money? Are they coming back to the the best education capabilities, um, some of the, the most impactful philanthropic needs. And are they keeping our family closely knit? We're one of the things that we wanted to always make sure that if we were bringing out somebody from the outside, they knew what those family goals were, some of the, the dynamics, and, and could bring it back to that type of conversation about how this could effectively move them forward. Now, I talked a little bit about this, but uh, setting these ground rules for communicative and financially literate families are also really important because as your family members grow uh, out of kind of childhood, they're going to become more communicative and having steps to make sure that they understand the financial aspects of your family dynamics um, are really a shift that can help evaluate where the family's legacy is going to be going and maybe move them into more active roles of participation, uh, contributing both to the family's financial well-being, but also 
as we talked in the, the last episode, their um, intellectual capital becomes more important. And obviously the health and well-being of everybody in the family uh, is super important for the longevity of, of the family and, and multiple generations. And so being able to, to foster an environment where those questions are welcome, uh, the knowledge is shared, and you're really able to identify what next steps um, within that current financial situation your family needs to be able to talk through, whether that's through workshops or resources, um, can really be a great thing to help enhance the financial understanding long term. So one of these things that we talked about with the Smiths was how do we actively encourage the larger family, but also your children to be more financially literate. And uh, so we implemented a number of things from when they were fairly young, uh, some really basic uh, educational exercises on budgeting, on how to, to manage debt properly. Uh, we did some basic investments where they got like a, a kind of a, a fake portfolio to be able to watch over the course of a year and, and see how some of their stock picks uh, worked out. And then we, we also, as they were get older, organized some workshops about wealth preservation, uh, about tax strategies and some of those things um, in little sound bites in smaller scenarios where they were able to take and ask questions and, and be able to bring some fresh perspective kind of back to the family. And so in their situation, the family was kind of all in on everybody learning as much as they could. They would bring some different ideas to the table, um, things that we would sometimes vet through. Sometimes they'd be great ideas. Sometimes they wouldn't. It just depends on exactly what that family looks like. But it, it certainly left them more informed and more engaged in the process of, of committed to growing the family wealth as a pool. And obviously, as the, the family grows larger, there's there's more aspects that you want to be able to cover with those. And so they've done a great job of facilitating that over the years. But Part of what has helped with that is that on an annual basis, they knew they were going to be talking about some of those things. And so um, the kids would, would start to get a little bit more involved. They would ask questions throughout the year and then uh, ultimately get to bring some of those to that family meeting as well. So in the Smith's case, you know, they are a great test case for what can result when you have a united and financially savvy family. You know, their, their wealth has really accumulated over the years. Not just as a, a monetary asset, but it's even nice to see their kids growing into, um, you know, the intellectual capital that can continue to to inspire that next generation, um, and really make sure they're they're achieving the shared goals and dreams of the family. Um, you know, I, I anticipate they'll make a really positive impact in the world. In uh, whatever size family you have, that can be done, and so it's one of those. This framework works really well if you commit to it. Uh, it's not a something that's going to be a, a one and done kind of thing. It, it really creates a journey that you want to revisit on an ongoing basis. And in the Smith's case, I think as their children kind of start to step into some leadership roles within the family, um, you know, the legacy of their financial governments has really continued to thrive and make sure that their transition um, of their wealth and also the the values that they've come to to really cherish are going to be there for the future generations. So this is just one example. Obviously, we changed the name with the Smith family, uh, but it's an illustration, I think, to show you that when you thoughtfully implement and understand how some of these legacy discussions can go, it can really help you to create a lasting impact 
um, on your family, help you foster unity within it, and the financial literacy that can help span multiple generations. So by bringing that shared vision together for the future, you're allowed to embark kind of on a journey with your family's uh, legacy and wealth that can transpire you by yourself. Uh, and so for a lot of our clients, that's something that we work through and it's it takes time to kind of shape that family legacy. But by bringing your shared experiences, uh, your questions, and bring those all together in this uh, family discussion, I think the governing of your family wealth becomes easier over time because everybody understands the same page you're on. Um, doesn't mean new ideas don't come. They, they do. And sometimes even more so because people feel open to be able to share those. So I always like to say your family's unique journey uh, deserves a really thoughtful approach. And so we are here to help guide you every step of that way. If you're interested in hearing more, certainly uh, visit my site, brentbowden.com. You can get in contact with me. Happy to, to share some more resources with you. We're going to have a, a couple more weeks of this uh, family wealth discussion. But until the next time, thank you for joining us on the Physician's Financial Checkup podcast. Feel free to share this episode with your uh, colleagues and your family. And look forward to seeing you with the next episode of the Physician's Financial Checkup podcast. Thank you for listening to the Physician Financial Checkup Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe on your favorite platform and leave a review. You can also find more information on brentbowden.com. The information contained in this podcast is for educational purposes only and should not be construed as financial advice. The opinions expressed are solely those of the host and guests and do not necessarily reflect the views of any other individual or organization. You should carefully consider your investment objectives, risk tolerance, and time horizon before making any investment decisions. If you are seeking financial advice, you should consult with a qualified financial advisor who can assess your individual circumstances and needs.